friends welcome to our podcast allegedly okay i'm amy and i'm rose for today's episode we're going to be talking about how we may or may not have been part of a cult okay it wasn't actually a cult but it had very cult-like qualities we're going to preface with the fact that this organization had many positive components as we mentioned in a previous episode we gained things like leadership skills and we formed great friendships but we did a lot of questionable things so We joined this group involuntarily at a very young age, so our minds were pretty impressionable. Our parents enrolled us. I don't even remember my mom explaining to me what it was. I just showed up. She was like, here, Mm -hmm. make friends. (laughs) Personally, I think all religions have cult-like qualities, but it all depends on how you interpret it. Anyways, I think overall we had very fond memories from this group, but as we grew older, we realized that some of the activities that we participated in was not normal. Mm. So one of the things that we did was we would go on a camping trip each year with either just us or with other churches. Mm. And it was like a three-day yeah, camp. Yeah. If you're Vietnamese and Catholic, you know exactly who <laughs> I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, but... It's okay. This will be our own little secret. (laughs) I was always excited to go on these trips, not because of the activities, but I just liked the idea of being away from my parents, which sounds kind of bad, but it was like nice to just spend time with your friends Mm -hmm. and have a little bit more freedom than you normally would at home. And on the second night of these camps, we had these rituals where we were split into different groups to act out different stories from the Bible. And I remember years that I wasn't split into groups with my friends, I would have such a terrible time. (laughs) But besides that, I guess it was fun, but the things that led up to these rituals or campfires were kind of scary, at least from a a young age. From our perspective? Even now, if somebody tried to pull that on me, I'd be like, catch (laughs) these. So basically, we were all blindfolded. We had to place our hands on the shoulders of the person in front of us, And then we were guided along this strange winding path. And whoever was leading us along, we just had to trust them. And I don't know, that's scary. And sometimes, especially if you were the youngest and the shortest, you'd have to be at the front. But then the person in front of you would be really tall. Mm -hmm. So then sometimes I would like lose my grip. (laughs) Oh, that was so scary. Whenever you lost your grip, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I I got scared, but then... I know that I would be fine, but still, like, that feeling was terrible. So there's nothing wrong with gathering around a campfire with a bunch of other kids. But when I moved for college and joined another branch of this organization, one time the fire department was called on us because a bunch of white people thought that what we were doing was dangerous. And honestly, it was dangerous. <laughs> they constructed some kind of flaming bird that was supposed <laughs> to go down this wire and light the main bonfire. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine it. Like, I can't see. Like, what Girl, it was crazy. Because <laughs> your group had, like, what, 600 people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in comparison to our church, it's, like, maybe 100, church, yeah. 200 people. But at these camps, it was only maybe, like, 50. Yeah, maybe, like, on a good on trip. a good year yeah. and so we have hundreds of kids <laughs> just <laughs> sitting around watching as the fire department is forcing us to close down our campfire and that was that was all right you know nothing happened but the year after that 
their fire, they didn't clear enough grass around it and it caught the grass and people broke the nearby faucet just trying to put it out. I'm surprised like national parks across the nation haven't like <laughs> banned us as a group, like as an entity. I mean, maybe we're putting in a lot of money <laughs> to these national parks. That's true. Our campfire wasn't on that level, but it was pretty intense. And this was a standard for all churches that participated in these kind of camps. It wasn't just our church being weird. (laughs) So we would have to hold hands around the fire and go around in a circle and start chanting these songs. And it wasn't like normal campfire songs. It was songs about fire and Jesus. And when I was younger, I was like, these songs are kind of weird. Like I already thought they were weird. And... They sound creepy. They sound really creepy. It sounds like like a ghost. In the the middle of the woods. We're not going to sing it, but... (laughs) you'll definitely (laughs) have you ever seen those movies where it would involve like the kkk and it's them standing in the middle of the woods (laughs) and there's like a fire burning there was a lot of that imagery yeah that's what it reminded me of and i was so embarrassed especially and when (laughs) i became a youth leader and i was an adult and i had more autonomy over what i could do at these camps (laughs) i would just either a come late or b pretend that i had to go somewhere so i didn't have to be part of them (laughs) So that's one cruelty thing. What's that other one? I remember talking to you about this because I was like, oh, I don't remember if this was a dream or this actually happened. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and <laughs> it wasn't a fever dream. Yeah, and you were like, no, it happened. I was there. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one time we were at church and this priest came all the way from Vietnam and he claimed that he had the power to heal us. So then people started lining up in front of this church and he would touch their heads and then blow a puff of air towards their face and people would faint and then everyone would be like oh my gosh i'm cured i'm cured yeah i i remember my mom she fainted and that's when i just stayed in the pew i was like i'm not going up there i don't like where this is going i don't think i wanted to go but my parents were like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity like not everyone gets this chance you need to go yeah and upon a little bit of googling apparently it's a real thing called faith healing and there's miscellaneous priests around the world that are called healing evangelists. And they travel to all these different churches or parishes to hold these healing masses or services. And after this magical healing touch, <laughs> they claim they no longer suffer from whatever ailment like eczema or some organ problems that they had. And when I say touch, I don't mean abusive touch. This is... That's a whole nother thing. A, yeah. We don't have to talk about that right now. But the priest uses, maybe there's some oil involved or maybe holy water. And you know, like you said, there's placing of hands on the forehead or the temples and whatever Wait, that puff of air. What were those masses where like the priest would go around the entire church and just flick water at us? Like, oh, I feel like that happens around Easter. Easter? Because, you know. I hate it. Oh my gosh, I hate it though. Especially <laughs> as youth leaders, because we had to sit on the edge of the pews and we would get the hard parts of the splash. Yeah. Like, bam! Like this, this one time I was an altar server. I was carrying around that holy water for the priest to splash everybody. And at the very end, he was like, oh yeah, you too. And then he splashed <laughs> the whole thing in my face. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's funny because, um, you know, my my partner, he joined our youth group like as an older person. <laughs> he didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and he like I remember his reaction when he got splashed. 
I was like, get ready. Let's flash zone. Like, I see world. That being said, with all those experiences, why are we even Catholic? So, Catholicism was brought to many countries as a tool of colonialism, under this guise of the white man's burden, and European colonizers began to make their way towards countries like Africa to exploit their wealth of natural resources and, quote, underdeveloped economies, unquote. We can go ahead and backtrack further to the very first missionaries and look at the history of Christianity, but let's not do that. We're going to look more specifically at the history of Catholicism in Vietnam since we're Vietnamese. (laughs) So I actually didn't know this. I thought the French were the ones to introduce Catholicism to Vietnam, but it actually was the Portuguese. And they really wanted to convert the indigenous population, but by the 18th century, the French joined in and completely colonized Mm -hmm. Vietnam. Mm Catholicism, Christianity, was just one of the tools that the French used to force indigenous Vietnamese populations away from their own cultures and beliefs because they, like many stories of colonization, we were deemed as the uneducated savages. But besides this, French colonialism had a very devastating impact in Vietnam, especially those in the rural or countryside area. The French took over large amounts of land and Vietnamese people had to began working for the French government. And basically, it was plantations. Mm -hmm. And I think these plantations made... um, I feel like it was... Rubber rubber, and other stuff. And like one of the most well-known tire companies, Michelin, Mm -hmm. is known for exploiting Vietnamese labor. Mm. So their workdays consisted of 15 hours, maybe longer, without breaks. And slow or reluctant workers were beaten and this actually wasn't allowed but the french did it anyways because who's going to check them i read some articles that said oh but besides all this brutality french people did some good like they opened schools and gave lessons in french but like they did this in very concentrated city areas and most of these cities big cities already had a very good education system and they completely neglected the rural side anyways so i don't think french missionaries opening schools was a good thing Mm. I think that's the reason why our grandparents know French. We'll get into that later. (laughs) And Christianity was enforced on these plantations or wherever these French people colonized. And yeah. So as a result of all of this colonization, a lot of folks then and now suffer from this colonial mentality. And by colonial mentality, I mean this internalized attitude of ethnic or cultural inferiority as a result of colonization. And this can manifest in a lot of different ways. For example, like you said, people were always really proud of knowing French really well. And my maternal grandfather was actually a French teacher. Mine was too. (laughs) What do you know? We... That sounds so vague because we already recorded those. The surprise was ruined. But anyways, yeah, my maternal grandfather was also a French teacher and my grandmother is part French. Mm -hmm. As a result of that, a lot of people respected my grandfather. And that also might be because in Vietnam, there's more respect for teachers in general than, you know, here stateside. But we can talk about that another day. Another way that this colonial mentality manifests is the fact that a lot of old traditions have been rejected or ignored like you said because having these false idols or rituals were deemed as sacrilegious and this might have other roots as well but having fair skin is very much valued and people with darker skin aren't as well regarded and when discussing if somebody with dark skin is beautiful there's always this qualifying statement yeah i talked about this with you earlier but i remember seeing 
this really annoying BuzzFeed video. I think BuzzFeed itself is annoying. Anyways, that's another story. <laughs> they were sponsored by 2030Me and they had all of these minorities from BuzzFeed take this genetic test. And there was this one really annoying Vietnamese guy. He really got on my nerves. He's like, oh, my mom told me like we were French, so there has to be like French blood within me. And I don't know, he just seemed very conceited about it. So I was like, okay, let's see. And he turned out to be 98%, 99% Vietnamese. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And he was just, I remember like being disappointment, disappointed at his disappointment of not being French. <laughs> he was like, oh, what the heck? I thought I would be different, like more exotic and stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay. It's ironic. <laughs> I know. Why would being French make you more exotic anyways? I think that's a commonality between a lot of Vietnamese people, or at least when I was younger, mm -hmm. I remember having classmates that would try to flex and say like, oh yeah, I definitely have French heritage, just because they were paler, or they had mm -hmm. lighter eyes, etc. And that might also be just a byproduct of being at a school that was so white. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting comments in our youth group, I don't know, probably most of our friends know what we look like, but <laughs> um, I have like youth leaders in my in the church like the older generation that would always say oh my gosh you're so lucky that you're pale mm -hmm. and blah blah but little did they know it's one of my <laughs> it's your exotic feature <laughs> that's my like that's one of my insecurities <laughs> one of my strongest insecurities is how pale i am mm -hmm. knowing all of this now i have really conflicting feelings about being catholic because basically the only reason i or that we're catholic is colonization and thinking about my ancestors and what they might have experienced as a result of that is you know kind of scary to say the least so i don't know specifically in my heritage if i have any french folks mm -hmm. but i know amy <laughs> mentioned <laughs> What was it? Potentially one <laughs> I don't know. I don't even want to be that much. Okay, so I talked to my mom about it for this episode because I was so confused. I was like, you keep saying that we're French, but I feel like you're lying to me. <laughs> so then she's like, no, like my grandfather, her grandfather, so my great grandfather is full French. Like he's from France. He has family in France and he married my great-grandmother who is Vietnamese. So my grandmother, she's only half Vietnamese mm -hmm. and... I always, me and my mom always get into arguments about this because I'll be like, oh, you know, like genetics, the Punnett Square, maybe the French gene skipped me. <laughs> you know it didn't. <laughs> I like to say that it skipped me, but if you saw me, I'm definitely... You pale. <laughs> pale. <laughs> no matter how hard I've tried to tan. Yeah, it, it's just not going to work for you. <laughs> just, yeah, so that's, that's a shame of mine. <laughs> With that being said, I don't know how to decolonize myself since being Catholic and everything surrounding that has been such a big part of my childhood and my young adult life. And yeah, basically a lot of my identity is or was tied to being Catholic. And as a result of that, I have so much Catholic guilt. <laughs> a lot of decisions that I've made throughout college were because of subconscious thoughts that were always in the back of my head. And like I said in another episode, I've had this constant pressure of being that good Catholic girl. And whenever I've strayed from that, I've felt a lot of anxiety and a lot of doubt about who I am as a person. And it took a lot of reading and reflecting in more recent times to come to terms with decisions that I've made. And nowadays, I still believe in God, but now that I can form my own opinions, there's a lot about the Catholic Church that I don't agree with. 
And in the broad sense, that's things like the Vatican's opinion about gay marriage and abortion. And in the more specific sense, it's disagreements about different communities in our very own parish. I think it's funny how you mentioned the Vatican because I just saw an article about how the Pope was like, I don't, I won't bless gay marriage. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Elton John was like, oh, really? Because I, he pulled out receipts on his face, like, I recall the Vatican investing $4.5 million or whatever X amount into my movie Recommend about how I found love, gay love. So what you gonna <laughs> say about that? <laughs> yeah, there's a whole rabbit hole we could go in about the flaws of, like, money, abuse, and all that. Very Just a not lot of hypocrisy. Stuff. But that's for another day. So how's your relationship with being Catholic now? I think in the past couple of years, especially throughout this pandemic, I've been distancing myself from faith, whether that's intentional or subconscious. Catholicism was something that was forced upon us or me without any explanation or consideration towards how I felt. Mm -hmm. I remember being very reluctant about going to Mass as a young child, especially going to Vietnamese Masses because they used all this fancy Vietnamese word from the bible that i had no idea what they meant and it was already hard enough speaking vietnamese when you were seven or eight but like listening to all this vocabulary and not really knowing what like i don't remember anything and that was just so dumb that forced us to go yeah we couldn't really appreciate any of the symbolism Mm -hmm. that's just gonna go right over our heads i wish they had like other churches where they gave the younger kids the option to go to the youth mass Mm -hmm. i think that's why in the youth group they (laughs) started forcing youth leaders to teach the bible Uh, or whatever it was that day like right before people myself included didn't do a very good job (laughs) i I would like to believe i did a good job because because we had that one priest who would ask little kids to volunteer about (laughs) what they just said and then they would that he'd be like, oh, who knows? And it was always my kids like, oh, me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so as I said, we weren't allowed to ask questions about why we needed to go or why it was important to maintain our faith. It was more of like, just like anything else in Vietnamese culture, it was like, do as I say. Mm-hmm. And religion became a chore. And this mindset followed me throughout my life, even as a religious youth leader. And when our parents did enroll us in these catechism classes, I felt like I didn't really gain any useful knowledge out of them, except for maybe some biblical trivia once in a while. And I don't even remember oh, those. You know when you could apply that? When? Those camps. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the only time we would be tested or like where that... It would be fun to know that kind of stuff because we would have Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But what did we even win? Pride. That's stupid. <laughs> we never won anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's why I even thought we were dumb. Like our church as a whole. I'm telling you, they didn't do a good job teaching us. <laughs> it's because our youth leaders were bullies. <gasps> that's another day. <laughs> so in these catechism classes, we were taught to obey all of these rules from the Bible. And the main reason why we should is not to be good people, but we should. It's because we don't want to go to hell. It's not just that. (laughs) The basis of the youth group, the main, what was it, purpose or mission (laughs) was to build saints. That's a a very high standard. (laughs) It takes a lot to be a saint. I I don't know if I could be a saint. I don't know if I would. I don't know any of my youth mentors now would ever be a saint. I'm going to be honest. You know, you're right. (laughs) Altie Ashe. 
know, these teachers would be like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that to be a good Catholic. But I don't see these teachers <laughs> doing what they told us to do. I see them scamming the government, etc., etc. <laughs> Lying. That is true. And I was always super scared of a lot of these teachers Teachers. and i feel like they were mean for no reason Mm -hmm. like they had attitude for no reason like it's a saturday where's this god's love that you're talking about (laughs) that's also why i have this fear of the vietnamese adults oh wait i didn't tell you this earlier but like i remember my ex Mm -hmm. july his Mm -hmm. mom was a vietnamese teacher and she like subbed one day and i remember i hated her i was like oh my gosh she's (laughs) so she's such a brat like not in a human form and little did you know little did i know I sure know. I didn't remember. <laughs> and then I remember um, she was like, oh, yeah, I remember you in my class. You talked a lot. I was like, yeah, I talked a lot because you were a bad teacher. Do you think about that? <laughs> As you can see, I don't have a good relationship with these people anymore. Anyways, continuing on, why? <laughs> Our experiences in this church. I don't know if this was a commonality between other Vietnamese Catholic churches or it was just our church, but... They made a big deal out of separating us from the different ethnic groups that attended our church. Because like, we had different masses that, yeah. in different languages yeah. for different cultures and ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a very strong us versus them mentality. I was so uncomfortable with that concept. And not only did we as a community take part in this, but the priests or the church committee committees would actively try to isolate us from these different minority groups yeah they would the priests and these board members would antagonize other ethnic groups yeah like they would try to start drama mm-hmm. by what? saying this common area was wrecked by so-and-so or if we had an event uh <laughs> i think we broke lamps or something mm-hmm. and it was all the anger uh we were so we were banned from using <laughs> oh yeah it's because like a lot of i'm gonna call out the men Mm-hmm. in our group is they're kind of idiots like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie <laughs> and i could feel that other groups hated us and honestly i didn't blame them like we as a group did not give them any respect at all mm-hmm. maybe one day i'll figure out a way to fix this disconnect and rediscover my faith i think having faith is so important as humans but religion itself has a lot of toxicity with a lot of hate and bloodshed tied to it since the beginning of time and it's like something i i don't want to say that we'll never unlearn but something that will definitely take a lot of time i think at the end of the day i just have to find what faith means to me to be honest i feel like we're more religious than most of the people in our youth group or whoever that attends church weekly Mm -hmm. because i feel like we care more I don't want to say, like, oh, yeah, we're so good. Like, I don't want to act like that. But we, I feel like we just care more about society as a whole mm-hmm. and all the people that are in it in regards to the people in our youth group who are, like, conservatives only. Like, you know, like, they really give off that energy. Like, conservatives are the most oppressed voices mm-hmm. in society's day. Like, that's the energy they give off. Yeah, and the basis of a large chunk of organized religion is trying to guide individuals towards being nice people to other folks in the world around them. I could be totally wrong, and we might be sent to hell or something, but I feel like as long as we have good hearts and good intentions, and as long as we right our wrongs in the best way that we can, we're going to be okay. Regardless of whatever people believe, as long as it's with kindness and with love, that's fine. And as long as nobody's hurting anybody. I don't think we hurt anyone except 
<laughs> for people that have continuously hurt others oh yeah fragile feelings and big egos mm-hmm. anyways that's all for now, that's all for now. <laughs> we hope this episode turned out well i don't know it was a lot but <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of allegedly okay jesus take the wheel <laughs> <laughs> please follow us on twitter tiktok and instagram at allegedly okay okay bye <laughs>